0: Hello and welcome to Detours, a Glory Sports podcast where I, David Stahl, digital editor of Glory Sports, sit down with sports figures who have achieved excellence in their fields through bold, unconventional, strange, and novel practices. From athletes to community leaders, sports psychologists to coaches, media personalities to front office executives, I'll be inviting guests on the program to show listeners how they might learn to explore excellence by paving detours of their own. A two-time Olympian, a national record holder, and one of the most prominent figures in track and field, Alicia Newman's resume speaks for itself. I've gotten to know the dominant pole vaulter over the last year through a series of interviews, and every time I speak with her, I come to realize more and more just how savvy her marketing mind is. Somehow she's turned one of the least commercialized spaces in sports, being track and field, into an enormously influential platform. On today's episode, I talk to Alicia about the challenge of balancing her athletic and entrepreneurial goals, the double standard for women athletes building their brand, and the unique challenges that come with becoming such a public figure. Please enjoy our conversation. today we welcome on canadian olympic pole vaulter national record holder nike athlete and entrepreneur alicia newman alicia we were just touching on it before the call that we're really happy that this interview is taking place right now Mm -hmm. currently march 14th because you're coming off such an exciting start to the year of your athletic career i'm wondering if you Can give the listeners just illuminate them on on what you've been up to to the start of 2023 and kind of what you're looking forward towards uh through the rest of this 2023 season to give them a little bit of insight
1: yeah for sure so i mean for track and field we always have an indoor season and outdoor season so for me i really wanted to come out indoor season um i wouldn't say like making a statement more so for myself just proving to myself that I just held on a lot longer to my goals and dreams and I knew deep down I wasn't done competing. And I think that's what's hard, with doesn't matter what sport you're in to stay at the top for many, many years. It's very, very hard. And I mean, I stayed in top five in the world from 2017 all the way to 2020. So it was a great couple of years and obviously COVID and everything hit. But then I had a huge concussion injury. So for me, this indoor season was really just to come out and prove to myself that I can be back up at high levels post um, a brain injury, which <laughs> I kind of shocked myself. My coaches were shocked a little bit, um, but deep down, like my neurologists and and the people that I work with closely, they are like. And I think that that's what was really important to me is like, how do I get my confidence back because. There's a lot of talented women pole vaulters out there, but it was like what separates us from being number one is that confidence and feeling like you're going to go out there and you're going to win. Um, and for me, that's what I was missing for the last three years. I was very timid and I and I felt um, less than because of my injuries. And mm-hmm. so this year I, I feel so good. I feel excited and it, it proved it showed through and me winning my indoor world tour was pretty exciting and we're just getting started. So I'm excited for outdoor season leading into world championships in Budapest.
0: Amazing. We're excited for you. And you touched on something that's so interesting to me that I think is pretty unique to pole vaulting and gymnastics, Mm -hmm. where you look at sprinting and it, you know, it is really a physical endeavor, there's not a lot of time to overthink in the 10 seconds that you're physically propelling yourself to the finish line. I'm wondering mm-hmm. how much does mentality play a role in, in pole vaulting and, and gymnastics, mm-hmm. which you have a, a a history of way early in your, your teenage years. Um, yeah. How important is that mental strength?
1: See, I think there's not like, obviously every sport you do, there's going to be a mental capacity, but I think, Physically, you have to be very, very present. I mean, I feel like when I was switched over to the heptathlon, I could go through the motions. I'm not saying I was the best at doing the hep, but I could still go through the motions. But for me, because of my concussion injury, that tunnel vision and that dialing in to seeing just yourself and not kind of having that ADHD where you're hearing people in the stands, you're hearing your coach, you're hearing girls on the side. That's what was really, really hard for me was dialing in into like kind of going, we call it like blank mind where you kind of let the body roll. And I was having a hard time. I was almost like too out of it or too present to a point where I felt every step on the runway. So I felt like I was slow motion all the time. Mm -hmm. And obviously when you're trying to catapult yourself over 15 feet in the air, you don't want to feel like you're going slow. You want to feel like you're coming in strong and powerful. And so that was a huge thing for me was how do I get back to feeling like I can bend this pole and it's not going to reject me. I'm going to go flying back onto the track, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where the mentality comes in for me is, is trusting an object that doesn't have any feeling, no heart, no soul, Mm -hmm. and going down there every single time and having that trust and that confidence that it will bend and I won't get hurt or myself
0: Mm. and it's so fascinating again even people at the very top of their sport we've seen it obviously you're you're talking about in regards to yourself we've seen it with Simone Biles where and and you can't understand it unless Mm -hmm. you're at that level and in it have you had you faced anything Mm -hmm. like that previously in your career
1: Oh, for sure. Like we call it like the run-through stage for pole vaulters. Um, when I was in gym, it was the the spinsies, and that's what Simone had kind of during Tokyo. Mm. It's so hard to connect the mind to the body all the time and be a hundred percent all the time. And don't get me wrong, when we're in practices, we have those and we work through it. But when you're going on to a national elite level and you're expected to be look the best do the best, jump the highest, break world records, break records, Canadian records. There's this additional amount of pressure that you know deep down as an athlete, you probably are not in the best position to break those records or mm. jump a really high height to win. And sometimes you surprise yourself, but a lot of times we're so intuitive into our body. We know when something's wrong. We're, we're so aware, especially female athletes, and that's like such a positive strength for us mm. is that we're, we, we know what's going on half of the time or most of the time anyways. And I think that becomes, I guess you could say it becomes hard for you to kind of put it on the back burner um, because we're so aware of all our surroundings. But for me, I think the mental aspect of every sport is really to be able to push yourself to levels that nobody on earth had done yet before. So Mm. like to know that I've jumped the highest any Canadians ever jump, it's taken a little bit of crazy (laughs) <laughs> in my head <laughs> to, you know, to to put those standards on. And I mean, before 2019, before my concussion, you know, world record was in my sight. And then last two years, it wasn't anymore. And then all of a sudden, the last two months, world record is back in my sight. Yeah. So it's really cool to see your, your mind. Not only does your body go through ways, but your mind goes through these, I'm like the best of all times to, mm-hmm. oh man, I'm, I'm not sure I got it today. Yeah. And so I think the, the times that you feel like you don't have it, that's very much human and very much normal. <laughs> and I think as athletes, we put too much pressure on ourselves on thinking that we have to be the superhero every single day.
0: Mm. And It's so tough. I'm sure too, because sometimes your body is there and your mind isn't quite there or vice versa. And you're right. just trying to find exactly. that serendipitous moment where they overlap. Like We're that. forced to take a bit of a detour early in your career as well. You touched yeah. on the Olympics or mm-hmm. or gymnastics, yeah. I should say. I'm wondering if you can go back and because now looking at your career, you're this national record holder. You're an Olympian mm-hmm. in the pole vault, but that wasn't even your plan A for athletics. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could go back and, and let no, the listeners know a little bit of your your history in gymnastics before taking yeah. on pole vaulting.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll have to give a big credit to my, my parents because they were very present in my life. And to know I didn't like going to school very much and I, I, I did not like it. I just hated sitting and, and reading books and doing that. I liked being active. I liked going outside playing with the guys and soccer, baseball and NBA, you know, all the guys at recess. Like that was fun for me. Mm. Um, And they were so aware of that. So to know, I mean, when I was young, probably six or seven, I remember like watching the Olympics every two years, the winter and summer Olympics. And I knew I wanted to represent Canada at the highest level and my parents were able to put me in positions that I could do that and that's where I kind of give them a lot of the credit because as a child you can't support yourself to be an (laughs) Olympic athlete but what my mom was good she saw that I was in the gym and every year I got better and better and better and all she did was their support okay the coach would come up all right now you need an extra uh, two hours a week this year so by the end of my Gymnastics career, I was 13 years old and I was training 36 hours a week in a gymnastics gym. So my mom knew if that didn't work out, there needed to be something to take up her time. And so when I fractured my L5 vertebrae and the doctors and the coaches said, for you to be this young, fracturing that, we don't want something to happen or you to be in a wheelchair later on in your life. I think it's best that you retire and find something else since you're still pretty young. And that's 13, but at 13, my bestest of friends were gym like gymnasts. And so going from that and half days at school to then being thrown into school full time, I just wasn't happy at all. And I could tell, Like the girls would gossip at recess and I just didn't care. Like I just wanted to go Mm -hmm. and play soccer, baseball with the guys because they didn't really gossip as much. Um, And so I started realizing those type of traits and my parents did as well. And so my mom knew when I came home from school, I was sad. So she put me in track and field because there was 10 events. So she goes, why don't you go try everything? And so that's kind of how it happened. It was a very much um, trial and error until we found something and I laugh now because I'm like, I wish I did like golf or tennis. Cause I love <laughs> golf now, but it was the mentality I had that I, I didn't even care what event I went to the Olympics for. Mm. I just wanted to be there and represent Canada. So I saw a goal very, very early. And I just needed to fill those steps to make that goal come true. And for me, when I broke the meet record, the very first time pole vaulting in a competition, I, it kind of chose me and I was like, all right, I like this, this is something that no way I broke that meat record, I can do this. And I want to break all the other records now. Mm. And it just was like these like, little steps of like, rewards, and they're not huge, but it, it allowed my mind and my body to feel, could you say like that serotonin, like being excited and being mm. happy and, and the pleasure I had competing. Um, and then now that I'm an adult, and I'm doing what I do, I, I kind of forgot about the feeling. And then this past two months, when I was winning again, and jumping high, and I was like, there it is. That's the reason I do track and field. Mm. I do it to break boundaries. I do it to inspire people. I do it to come back and to overcome challenges and obstacles. It's not about the money. It's not about the fame or, or the celebrityness behind it. Like that true moment of doing something that, you know, a lot of people didn't know what was going to happen. And like, always been that underdog like I've always loved that feeling of proving people wrong mm. and I think that that's maybe the mentality I was kind of raised on was my parents never embarrassed us if we failed mm. it was always like oh that door just shut okay where's the next door Alicia and it was like never a, a negative thing to fail for so I think a lot of people are embarrassed to go out and, and put them their their full self out there, and people judge them. But at the end of the day, I mean, we all are gonna pass away one day, and no one's really gonna care. So I think for me, it's like I might as well live and and impact as many people as possible, so that like people feel like they've lived a full life of fulfillment.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that, and I love the openness <laughs> and the fact that you know it sort of chose you. If you hit a meet record in in your yeah. first meet okay Mm -hmm. this is meant to be i'm curious Mm -hmm. because you mentioned it's not about the Mm -hmm. fame but i think that's been a natural byproduct of you inspiring people and and high level performances you've really become one of the most notable people in the world for track and field a sport that desperately needs public figures who can inspire people and have personality i'm wondering if that also just chose you as well or if that was an accidental byproduct
1: Yeah, see, I think it comes with the competing and breaking boundaries like I love to entertain I like to go to track and field compete and look into the stands and people are are so memorized like I love seeing people enjoying themselves and almost taking a minute out of their whatever struggles they're going through Mm. and see some joy on their face like it it brings me a lot of joy to see people having a good time in the stands and that's I think another huge reason as much as I'd hate to admit um, that COVID was pretty hard for me because there was no one in the stands Mm. Um, and I felt like I was just like doing it for there's no reason behind it. And so yeah. it was really cool for me to figure that part out for me because I now know I want my family there. I want my friends and, pe- and, and people that I love around. And I want to give away some tickets and use my brand to give away tickets that potentially uh, a kid could not afford to come to um, mm-hmm. because you never know what type of inspiration that will turn into their goals and, and dreams. And the fame for me, I think it just naturally came because I never had a change, and there's still things that I do that people are like, "Well, Alicia, why do you say that, or why do you post that?" And it's not because I, I'm trying to get attention; it's just who I am. And I, I've come to a fact that I, I love myself, I love, love who I am, and I and I know I have good intentions when I'm I, I'm portraying messages or talking about you know inner inner demons or talking about you know sexuality and all the different things I post. And I'm proud that I can use my voice. Because I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. Mm. And I, I have that that thick skin and I have that backbone that I'm able to do that. Mm. And I, I'm not embarrassed of it, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just like, I might as
1: well just throw it out there. Otherwise, people won't be able to know what I'm really like. you know. Mm. I think my biggest pet peeve are liars. So mm. that's probably why as well. <laughs>
0: People, people really resonate with authenticity too. We were talking with a sports writer yesterday and, you know, he'd written all these books through the seventies and eighties on locker room culture. And, and now leagues protect their players. I'll put protect in quotation marks because it, it, it's not great for the players. not great for the leagues when there isn't an authenticity behind the personality. So I'm wondering, especially for a sport like track and field, how important mm-hmm. to the sport do you think it is to have figures like yourself who are, who are giving their authentic sort of unfiltered selves?
1: Yeah. Well, I think at first, like you blend in a lot of a track and field that There's so many great athletes mm-hmm. when you're in a sport like football or, or basketball or hockey. It's a team, so there's a community around the the organization, not the individuals. And and there's obviously one or two of those stars in each team that have that personality. And so mm-hmm. for track and field, why it's worked really well for me is because we all blend in as track and field. So what separates me from the other pole vaulters? Well, I think it is my my just who I am. Like mm. I, I shine different. I, I I have a different mentality, and I think that that's why I've been a little bit more successful on the social media side and brand and sponsorship side because I'm able to vocalize a little more and I'm able to separate myself from the girls because all the top 10 women on the, on the world are incredible they're beautiful they're kind they're honest they're they're be- like so beautiful to look at but for me it was like how do I connect to my fans a little more and I think that, that were, that's where I started being a little bit more organic and I wanted people to see my fashion side. I wanted people to know that I can golf and I can do all these other sports. And I want people like when they come to my profile, they're motivated. How can I make someone's day by just them looking at my social? If that mm. makes sense. It became a lot less about me and just sharing my journey, which naturally inspired a lot of people.
0: Mm. And we, we chatted with jerome about this as well olympic athletes are in Mm -hmm. such a unique position where they sort of have to play the role of entrepreneur as well in their career was that ever a difficult transition when you realized okay i'm going to have to a be alicia on the track and also alicia Mm -hmm. the businesswoman off the track
1: i would say the struggle with that was more brands that wanted me to stay in a certain box i think Mm for me, like they wanted me to stay strictly with track and field things and, and athletic stuff. Like, why are you posting all these other things? Or why are you working with an alcohol brand? Like common sense guys like we all drink we all have a glass of wine and i've actually even i was telling dr amin my neurologist that i work with i had because of him i stopped drinking since september i've had my glass of wine here or there post indoor Mm -hmm. season but i'm not going to sit here and tell everybody i never drink ever again that's not true it's just i i naturally do what feels right and it would have never felt organic like i'm i've said no to so many companies because They wanted this restriction of, but we need you to do this and need you to do this because we're paying you this. And it's like, um, like you hired me because of my creativity side, you hired me because of what my brand looks like. Mm. And now you're trying to put me in this box. And I understand your brand has to come across the way you want it. But if you're not going to allow me to give you ideas or us work together on creating something unique because- If you talk to people I work with, my posting and stuff, I do not want to stand with products. That is not what my social is about. Mm -hmm. And I I don't, I do it sometimes because we're running late or we have to, we have a deadline and we have to do something. And that's me being completely honest. Mm -hmm. We'll throw that up. But at the end of the day. I want a high production shoot behind it. I want us to do something that's unique and fun and something that people have never seen before. And it's eye catching. Like, Mm -hmm. why would everybody else is doing it? So what separates you also on social? Mm -hmm. So that's where it keeps going deeper and deeper on that side, because not only are we Olympic athletes, we've become this brand and then the brand. Well, there's millions of influencers. So how are you a different influencer from the influencer and the influencer over Mm. Um, that was my number one thing never change and never change on who you want to be. I'm open to opportunities and I'm open to people asking to do something, but if it doesn't follow along with what I think is right, then I definitely wouldn't pursue it as a, like my own entrepreneur. I wouldn't do it because it just wouldn't be worth my sanity because my Mm. happiness and knowing that the last three years of me not being able to pull off at the levels that I wanted to it's not worth it for me. My, my happiness and joy of a, like my everyday comes from within. It doesn't come from a, a one off deal on Instagram for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's it's so tough though because you're put in these positions when you're so young. Of course, now you're you're a seasoned mature athlete who is able to give this insight to to younger athletes or young women entering the, the business world. But was it ever difficult as a young woman earlier in your career to maintain that sense of self with all of these different brands or influences mm-hmm. trying to pull you in either direction?
1: I don't think so for me. I think I was so natural at it because Again, I was never scared of failing. I was never scared to post Mm. something up and then like that cancel culture. I was like, oh, if I got canceled, then we'd figure something else out, you know. (laughs) I I look forward to making mistakes and I look forward to being completely apologetic and unapologetic about it, you know. And I think if I were to give anybody advice like leading forward, you know, it's, it's a full time commitment for sure and but it's not the end all be all and that's not life and that's not completely reality even though my stuff and what i post i wish i could post more but i just don't think it would come across as organic and, and and as real and so for me for like the next generation because now it's getting even more insane with tiktok and and um be real which is cool to see those switching and mm-hmm. I kind of wish I was a part of that era because honestly, I, I like to be real. I think that that stuff's so cool that you can, you know, you have a minute to take a photo and whatever that photo looks like, you post. And so I, I think I would always tell like next generation of, of influencers, athletes, that just remember like reality is what you live in every single day, and posting up is is not always what is going to make you better. Mm-hmm. And what what may work for me may not work for you as well. And I think that that's huge because everybody's life and journey is going to be different depending on where they come from as well.
0: Mm. And it is such a a necessary part of being an athlete and being able to keep the dream alive is being able to financially Mm -hmm. sustain yourself and create deals that are going to allow you to train and, and get the rehab that you need to perform. I'm curious, yeah. though, one of my frustrations, if you look at Bianca Andresu, mm-hmm. who we've done a lot of work with and we love, I, I remember yeah. she made a post a couple months back. It was her after a tournament had ended and she was having that one glass of wine and uh, there were a couple mm-hmm. comments underneath of, oh, why aren't you training or whatever it may be? <laughs> I'm wondering if which is just so absurd, right? A, a tournament, yeah. it just ended. This is a, a young woman who's celebrating a huge accomplishment. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you do tend to see a bit of a double standard where athletes are celebrated a lot of times on the male side for finding yeah. partnerships and finding brand deals where women, it's a little bit of, okay, well, why aren't you back training? Mm-hmm. Why are you distracted?
1: Yeah, I I mean, women and men in sport has always been on the brand side or the paid side or any side. I mean, there's sold out seat tickets at more of the men's 100 meter finals than there is the females. And I do think we're getting better like as a a world of like supporting and everyone loves the Olympics. And now we're starting to see, you know, we're going to countries that track and fields very, very well respected. But I just think it needs to come to a point where and I always say this, I laugh because I'm like, like sports, like men are there to have fun and drink beer and go out. And like the women and the reason that the women aren't there in the stands is because they're the CEOs, the entrepreneurs, you
0: know, they're yeah, out yeah. there
1: doing something different. They don't have time to go and support. Um, and I always laugh about that because obviously I know it's not true on all all aspects.
0: I am wondering as well, sort of as we um, wind down the podcast, I'm wondering if you could give advice either to young people Athletes, or just to young people in general who are looking for mm-hmm. um their direction in balancing several different projects, whether it's an athlete balancing entrepreneurship, what advice might you offer?
1: I would say like priority. like what is have have your like five reasons why? Like for me, it's like obviously income, um love, like family, friends, my career. And I would say the last one would be my like spontaneousness. I love. Hmm feeling like it's on the go wherever so have those five things that like is really really important for you to feel joyful at the end of the day that you can lay down at night and like put your head on the pillow and be like you know i had a great day and i think that when those things are are watered and those things are taken care of you start living this different life perspective of wow i can do anything i put my mind to Mm. and until you have that mindset things feel hard and when I was in those last three years with my concussion and just COVID and just not feeling like I could do it. And I, I was just like to my mom, I was like, why am I trying so hard? Like mm-hmm. everything seems so hard, you know, and always overwhelming at all times. And and now that I look at it and I'm happy and I'm confident and I feel like I got my little mojo back again. Now something happens to me like my phone broke the other day and I'm like, oh, my phone broke. I guess i get a new phone now <laughs> like the, it became the get glass is half or is half full and not mm. half empty and it's all because of that mindset and where you are in your journey so if you feel like everything that's coming to you becomes a negative then you know you're in a rough spot and that's okay but you have to hold on and you have to work from within to try to figure out how you see everything all your glass is half full and that's what took me. It took me three years. And I'm not saying because I jumped high, it made me happy. I was starting to get a little bit happier. Probably four or five months ago, I started seeing positive things. I started seeing things in a different way again. And it all, it could have been obviously my concussion too. And, and just my chemicals were off a little bit. Mm. Um, But it also was something that I had to prioritize was my health. And so if that's one advice I would give somebody, if you're, if you're sitting there and you're seeing everything happen, empty there's something internally going on and you need to like sit back and look at yourself in the mirror and and maybe create those five things that at the end of the day if those five things are accomplished you would be not I wouldn't say satisfied I hate using that word satisfied but Mm -hmm. you would feel you would feel success at the end Mm -hmm. of the day and so that's what I would tell a lot of people honestly try to try to always see everything half full of your glass Mm -hmm. every time even in a negative situation a half what's the positive in it and once you can train your mind to do that anything feels possible mm. and, and i guess i'm a living proof of that
0: <laughs> i love that i love that and to mm-hmm. close us down i want to do just to help visualize and set the tone for the outdoor season coming mm-hmm. up and beyond yeah. what are some of the goals on your list not just this year but obviously a big year coming up yeah. in 2024 anything mm-hmm. off the track what are some of the benchmarks yeah. that we can watch out for alicia newman to hit
1: yeah, I'm really excited. i'm I'm just putting another offer on a condo. So heading into my second place, I would love to own mm. three places by twenty twenty four and and I would love to start um, Alicia Newman experience. So I'm hoping to start it'd be like an Airbnb, but a little bit different. We would start our own website where mm. people would be able to buy I buy places in in countries or cities that I feel most happy in. And the experiences are going to be really, really cool, you know, with like sponsorship discounts in the units, um, some wellness stuff in the units, just a lot of different things than what you would normally expect. And, and I think that's out of my finance. I'm really trying to build some wealth that's not just temporary. I'm trying to build some generational wealth on my mm-hmm. end. So I'm excited to, to kind of push those boundaries on that side for sure.
0: That's so exciting. Oh my gosh! Well, she never stops hustling. There's always always another project on the horizon.
1: Never,
0: <laughs> Alicia. Thank you There's so much for always another failure the that time. I'm excited
1: to, to tackle.
0: Exactly, keeps raising <laughs> I, the bar. I
1: appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for tuning into our episode of Detours featuring Alicia Newman. Be sure to subscribe for more insight from Canada's greatest sports figures. We have some really fun episodes coming up, so we invite you to stay tuned and give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the interview. In the meantime, we also invite you to take any nugget of knowledge that might help you find your own detour. Who knows? You might be our next guest.